Well, good morning, Cross Point. It's good to see you guys in this beautiful, nice, chilly weather to the point I can actually wear a sweater and not sweat and get feel too bad for it. Um, man, after you get last night's game, I feel like we're going to have to start a recovery group after the Bengals <laughs> totally botched it. Right now, I believe the Seahawks are preparing to play the Minnesota Vikings. Um, it's pretty interesting. Last year in the Super Bowl, I had to preach that night, so I wasn't able to watch the second half of the Super Bowl, and I feel like I'm going to miss the first half of today's game. And I think that's the Lord just telling me that you need to focus on me right now and not focus on your idol. And um, so if you guys see the scores, keep it to yourself as I'm up here preaching. Um, so if you guys could turn to James 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 27, that's the text that we're going to rest in for today. So James 1, verse 27. If you don't have your, uh, a Bible, there's Bibles in the back. Uh, if you don't feel like getting up, uh, there's Bible, the verse will be on the screen uh, for you guys to read. So religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much um, that you can gather us today as your people, not only as your people, but as your sons and daughters. God, would you just speak through me? Would you use my inadequacies for your glory alone? May your son be exalted today as we worship in the word. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. So last week we started a new series called This is Our City. And the purpose of the series is to refocus our hearts on mission, to refocus our hearts on the mission that God has called Crosspoint to do, and to honestly commission our MCs to go and love our city. So Rich last week started us off by showing us God's heart for the city, and then he called us to love our city in three ways. The first way, he called us to seek our city's welfare. That's, we're going to get more, more practical with that today. The second way he's, uh, he called us to love our city is to actually be in our city. I don't know about you guys, but that point last week really convicted my heart as far as to not only be in our city, but to be proud of our city and to be thankful that God has placed us here for his glory and for his mission. And um, the, the last point he called us to do is to pray for our city. Pray for every facet, the way that how the city runs. Pray for the governors. Pray for the, the mayors. Pray for the, even just the jobs, the oil fields, the gas prices that they may jump so people can get jobs, even though it's going to hit our pockets. But it's worth it if our people in Bakersfield get work. And today, I get to build on that foundation by talking about the topic of the orphans in our city. And when we talk about orphans, yes, we are talking about the children who, whose parents may have died, so therefore they're in the system. But we're also talking about those who may have a single mom and they're being raised by a single mom. We're also talking about the, the, the children who, may be, who, uh, who are being raised by their grandparents, their aunts or their uncles. Or giving get this, even by their own single fathers. So there is a broader definition when it comes to orphans than we think. But there's also no age gap when it comes to orphans. So it doesn't just start with through birth and then, 
a high school, and that's it. They're, when they hit 18, they're no, no longer orphans. But even when they hit 18, they're still the orphans. They still don't have a mother or a father. There's, they still don't have a grandmother, or, or they are being raised by their grandmother. So there is a broader definition where we're going to talk about orphans. So the question I want to ask today and answer in light of the topic of orphans and in light of what Rich walked us through is, how do we love our orphans? How do we love our orphans? And I believe James tells us three ways. And the first way, we are to see God as Father. We are to see God as Father. See, to see God as Father means we need to see God for who He really is. And James tells us, God is Father. That is who He is. I know this may be difficult for some people to understand. Me, this is a hard topic for me to understand. Because the, when, I, when, the father, when the word Father comes, the image, um, it's not a very positive image. And I believe some of us struggle with that as well. When we hear the word father, the image that comes to our mind, it, it, it's, it's not a good one. And when it comes to the topic of father, I think some of us are very unfamiliar with it because, like my wife and I, we don't have kids. So we don't know what it's like to actually hold our own kid who's just born. We, we don't know what it's like to have that intense affection or the feeling that you may have when you hold your child. We just haven't experienced that. So we're not very familiar with the idea of the, the, the father affection towards their kids. But we are fortunate enough to be a part of an MC where almost everyone, I think, has kids. And um, we get to see the ins and outs of how, how they love and how they discipline, how they take care of their kids. But here's the cool thing. Parents, do you remember the very first time you held your child? I mean, just go back to the... Besides the chaoticness of what happened in that room, when you finally held that baby, what was the, what was the feeling that you guys had? I mean, when you held that baby, all you cared about was, man, how, how are you going to love this baby? How are you going to take care of this baby? How am I going to protect this baby? How am I going to provide for this baby? See, there was this affection. There was a will for you to love this baby like there was no tomorrow. Do you guys remember that picture? If you guys remember that picture, can we just apply it to the way that God the Father sees his kids, to see his children? He sees you with delight. He sees you with love. He sees, it's not, he sees you with this idea that, man, I want to protect my child. I want to provide for my child. I'm here to love my child. The same way you felt when you held your child, the same way God feels about you. So even if you do have a, a skewed image of what a father is, God the Father isn't like that, isn't like that father. He is perfect. He is loving. To see God as Father means... To see him for what he has done in order for you to call him father. See, God has done something in order for you to call him father. What has he done? He has has adopted you. See, God set his love upon you before he even created the world. And here's what's crazy about that truth is, 
God is omniscient, which is a fancy word of saying God knows everything. He knows the past, he knows the present, and he knows the future. And because he knows everything, he knew when we were going to sin. See, when we sin, it doesn't take him by surprise. See, yesterday's sin didn't take him by surprise. Today's sin on your way to church isn't taken by surprise. And, t- and tomorrow's sin isn't going to take him by surprise. He knows everything. And yet, even though he knew everything, he already set his love upon you. And he was undoing the work of sin in your life by sending his son to this earth. And his son lived the life that you and I were supposed to live. Then on the cross, he took every sin, he put them on himself, and then he willingly died, paying the penalty for those sins once and for all. So those of you who have trusted in him, he declares you not guilty. We call that justification. Another fancy word. But that's what he justifies you. He declares you not guilty. But the good news doesn't stop there. At the moment he justifies you, he then walks up to you, puts his arm around you, and then he adopts you into his family. See, God isn't just the judge to you, but he's now also your father, and you are his son, and you are his daughter. So at that very moment, he gives you a new identity, and he gives you a new name. So to see God as father is to see your new identity and your new name. You are now a son, and you are now a daughter. Yes, you may be a student. Yes, you may be a teacher. You may be an employee. You may be a vice president. But your identity, you are a son, and you are a daughter of God. J.I. Packer has this to say about the believer's moment when he's adopted. Um, He said, if you don't know who J.I. Packer is, he's a... Depends. He was one that, in his day, he was a one of the great theologians. But he's well known for his book called Knowing God. If you have not read Knowing God, you need to read it. Every Christian must read that book. Because what he breaks down is how a relationship with God actually looks like. He breaks down, he gives you the proper theology, but he gives the reality of that theology when it comes to relationship with the Father. It's a must read. Please go get it. Uh, Kindle it, whatever it is you'd like to do. But he says this about adoption. He says, adoption is the highest privilege the gospel offers. Adoption is higher because of the relationship it involves with God. Yes, salvation is wonderful, but it does not imply necessarily an intimate relationship. But in adoption, God doesn't just save us, but he takes us into his family as children and as heirs. So the privileges that we have as adopted children is we get to speak to him and relate to him as a good and loving father. It is true that God is our creator. He is our judge. He is our Lord. He is our master. He is our teacher, our provider, and our protector. But the role that is intimate is the role of God being our heavenly father. See, the fact that God relates to us as a father, clearly states that he loves us and that he understands us. So to see God as father means to see God for who he really is. He is father. He is your father for those who trust in Christ. To see God for who he really is is to see him for what he's done, done for you, <laughs> to see him what he's done for you 
in order for you to call him Father. He has adopted you. See, not only did he save you, not only did he forgive your sins, but he adopted you and made, him, made you his own. To see God as Father is to see your new name, your new identity that he gives you in light for what he's done for you. You are now a son and or a daughter of God. So how do we love our orphans? We see God as our Father. So why is it so important for us to see God as our Father? I once heard someone say that before you focus on the fruit, you need to focus on the root. Seeing God as a Father is the root to the fruit. So what do we do in light of the truth we just heard? Not only do we love each other as family, we love and care each other as family. Like we are, we're now brothers and sisters. Even though we're so different, we very different, we're still family. But there is a call for us what, as since we have been adopted and since we are family, there is a call that we're that we're supposed to do. And James tells us. We are to go visit the orphans. That is the second way of how we are to love our orphans. We are to visit the orphans. Now, this word visit, what James is trying is what James is saying when he says to go visit the orphans, what he's saying is to go to orphans and widows means to go to them, to look out for them to care for them and show deep concern for them to the point where you're actually taking responsibility for their needs. See, this word calls for an attitude and the extent of how you are to look after orphans. So looking after does not mean that you visit them once a month and you get on with your life. That is not our call when we say visit the orphans. It's not something you say, you know what? I'm going to go visit the orphans today. Religious checklist, Done. My life. Let's go. That is not the call. The call is to actually live life on life with them. See, that's the kind of religion that God, our Father, accepts. So practically, our missional community is taking this very literally. We have vowed... uh, we, we know we can't go and adopt and care for every orphan in Bakersfield. It's very hard to do that. Um, we know that. But to sit and do nothing is not an option for us. Hear that? To sit and do nothing is not an option for us. So we have decided, and God has opened this door wide open, to invest into this uh, nonprofit organization called Building Blocks. What Building Blocks is, it's a transitional living community for emancipated foster youth. And emancipated foster youth are children in the foster care system who reach the age of 18 and are no longer supported by the county. I want to read the statue, which I find very troubling. Within two to four years after aging out of foster care, 50, 50% of former foster youth are unemployed. 50%. are homeless and 20% will be incarcerated. Can you hear the need 
for us to go visit the way James is calling us to visit? Do you see how once a month is it going to cut it? See, God went great lengths to adopt us into his family. He pursued us. He went great lengths to reveal himself to us, not only to reveal himself to us, but to love us where we are. So if God, our Father, went that great of a length to do that, that is our call. We are to imitate our Father in that way. Because we are his children, we are to imitate him in that way. So we have to take this call literally when he says to go visit the orphans. It's to go live life on life with them. Once a month is not going to do it. So practically, how is our missional community going to do this? And this isn't to boast about what we're going to do, but this is just something that we've been praying about, we've been preparing for, and this is what God, we feel like, has called us to do. First, we're going to give financially. We're going to give financially. If they need clothes, we're going to put clothes on their back. We'll try. If they're hungry, we're going to feed them. If they need a mop or a broom, we're going to give it to them. But we're going to provide for them. Because we have deep concern for them, and we're going to take responsibility for that need. Second, we're going to make a huge deal of the birthday parties. We're going to make a huge deal of the birthday parties. We're going to celebrate their lives because their lives matter. We're going to celebrate their lives because we love them. We're going to let them know this day is a big deal because you are here with us. And one of the ways we're going to show you that God loves you is we're going to make this a big deal for you. Whether it's bounce houses or we're just playing games all night, I don't know. Depends on the person. Personally, bounce house, for sure. But we're going to make a big deal. We're going to eat with them. We're going to share a meal with them. Because when you share a meal, you're sharing memories. When you're eating together, you're saying, dude, there's no more boundaries. I'm going to love you where you are at this table. I don't care what your story is. I'm going to treat you as I, as, as I treat my kids, as I treat my fellow coworkers or my fellow friends. I'm going to love you at this very moment. We're going to share this intimate expression of sharing a meal by being family. That's what it is. We're going to be family together. And through that, we're going to hear their stories. Because when you share a meal, you hear funny stories. You want to get a shy person to break out of their shell? Let them talk about themselves. Go ahead. Ask them a question about themselves. You may get like one or two word answers, but keep asking questions about themselves. And you'll hear stories. And as you hear their stories, filter it through the great story. Because as you hear their stories, and since you know the story of God, you know the story of God invading darkness... By sending his son, you know that story. Now you're able, as you hear the story, be like, okay, so how, how is the story of God going to, how can I really push in the story of God this moment? We're going to walk with him in everyday rhythms of life. We call it mentorship, if you want. We will help them, guide them when it comes to jobs, relationships, how to be 
a mother, how to be a father, how to date, how to do a budget, what to say not to say in a job interview, how to write a resume, how to ask for a raise. I'm just kidding. Um, But teach them the everyday life of stuff. When you don't know those simple things, you feel super helpless. You feel so inadequate. You may call it pride. But I'm letting you know, when you don't know how to do those things, you feel so helpless. You feel like you can't contribute to the society at all. And that there's nothing you can do, really. It's the most empty feeling in the world when you don't know how to do simple stuff that everyone knows knows how to do because someone didn't teach that person. It may not seem like a big deal because it's what we already know, but these kids don't know. So when you walk with them in this everyday life of stuff, you're showing them the gospel. You're loving them where they are. You're, you're, You're being... You're mentoring them in that very moment. They need it. And we will proclaim the good news of Jesus. We will proclaim the good news of Jesus as we're doing these things. See, when you're looking after the orphans, you're given an opportunity to explain to the world that he saved me and he adopted me. And you're showing the world what that looks like. When you're caring for the orphans, you're showing the world what this really looks like. Yes, I'm proclaiming to you that he saved me and adopted me. When you actually live that out, you can now tell the world, this is what it visibly looks like. See, orphan care is just not an act of social justice, but it is the very display of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how do we love our orphans? We see God as Father, and we go visit the orphans. The last way we love, how we love our orphans is we join them in their affliction. We join them in their affliction. James says to visit the orphans. And it's just stop there. He says to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction. See, the word of affliction could be translated distress. But the picture that the Greek word is giving is, is one being crushed by intense pressure by difficult circumstances, by suffering upon them, or trouble pressing upon them. Let me illustrate it this way. I don't know if this is true, but it's on the internet, so I sort of believe it. In the ancient law of England, those who willfully refused to plead guilty had heavy weights placed on their chest like boulders on their chest, and then they would press upon him and crush him to death. It's a pretty gnarly image, if you think about it. Well, that illustration is to give you a picture of the affliction orphans go through. See, the afflictions that orphans go through isn't some mild affliction. So when you see an orphan, there's something really going down in their heart. It is a great affliction. It's a distress that no one should handle by themselves, but it's there. 
And we are called to join them in their affliction. And I believe we're called to join them in two ways. The first way, we are to join them by committing to suffer with them no matter what. We are to join them to suffer with them no matter what. Most of these kids we're going to encounter have never seen this word commitment lived out. You get that? It's always been, I'm here for a little bit, I'm bouncing. I'm here for a little bit, I'm out. Sorry. My life is more important. Good luck. So when we go and try and walk alongside them and love them, their natural tendency is they're going to push you away. Reason number one, it's because they don't know how to attach themselves to you. They really don't know how to attach themselves to you. The second way, the second reason, is because they don't want to feel broken or disappointed. They don't want to feel broken or disappointed. These young people that we're going to engage have broken and wounded hearts. And our call is to suffer alongside them to the point where they know that we are going to be here for the long term. The bailing out is no option at all. Man, that's hard. Man, that is our call as Christians, is to suffer. And this is the one of the ways that we will suffer. The second way, we will join in their affliction by inviting them to wrong us. Let's be clear. Eating a piece of humble pie is not our favorite dessert. It's definitely not mine. I don't like eating humble pie. I don't like my pride being messed with. When someone wrongs you, your pride gets a little jacked up. But their whole lives, someone was supposed to take care of them. Someone was supposed to provide for them. Someone was supposed to protect them and love them where they were. Someone was supposed to train them, and no one did it for one reason or another. So you're going to experience scars. You're going to experience someone who only knows that I've been wrong my whole life. This is legitimate stuff, right? Because they have been wronged. So don't be surprised when they wrong you. And when they do, invite them. What does that mean? When someone wrongs you, when they text you a month later, you text them back right away, and you're excited. When you see them for the first time after they've wronged you, you don't treat them any different. (laughs) That's hard. When they finally accept your friend request three months later, you rejoice. All right? doesn't mean at times you need to sit down and chat with them, give them wise counsel. There are times for that. But we need to be wise and lay down our pride for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of love. I want to end with these two things. (laughs) 
If your heart is to love orphans in our city, would you consider in joining us? If you're already connected, stay connected. I'm not asking for people to bounce out of their missional communities and come to ours. I'm asking if you are not connected in a missional community and you have a heart to love the orphans the way that we're going to love the orphans in our city, would you consider joining us? Would you consider living life on life with us, but living life on life with the orphans? Second, would you consider foster care? Would you consider foster care? Would you consider to foster to adopt, or would you consider just to adopt? Building blocks exist because no one adopted them. We have plenty of churches in Bakersfield for that not to happen. So would you repent from your idolatry of comfort? Would you repent from your ideal image of what a perfect family looks like? And would you consider in fostering or foster to adopt or to adopt? Be so hard. We have my, my wife and I. We have we, we we don't we haven't adopted a kid yet, um, but <laughs> but we have family who has. I mean, there isn't a time where one of our sisters, Stacy, and her husband Josh don't have a foster kid, and boy, we see the stuff that they go through. But we see the joy in their lives when they have this child and they're, and, and they're able to, to love them and, and proclaim the truth of Christ to them. You want to, let's get to missions for a second, right? We have this call that we want to reach the unreach. This is what my wife and I were very convicted of. We have this call, like, we want to reach the unreach. We want to go to India. We want to go to those tribes and where they've never heard the gospel. These orphans that we're going to encounter probably have never heard the gospel. You want to talk about uh, reaching the unreach? There, I'm, there it is, orphan care. Adopting a child. That's crazy. But there is unreached people here, and we need to be faithful in Kern County by proclaiming the gospel to the orphans. So this is how we're going to love our orphans in Kern County. We're going to see God as Father. We're going to visit them, visit the orphans, and we're going to join them in their affliction. Other missional communities, would you consider praying for us as we do this? Because it's so hard. And it's going to be so difficult. But this is something that our missional community has vowed to do for the year 2016. This is how we're going to love our city. This is how we're going to love the orphans in our city. If you have a heart to reach out to the orphans, whether you're in our missional community or not, do it. You don't need to be in our missional community to adopt or to foster. It's the greatest display of the gospel we can do that. So I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. And when you step out that door, would you please not forget 
about today's message. When you step out the door, don't go on with your own lives again. At least pray. At least pray. But consider or join us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, the fact that we can call you Father is good news in itself. The fact that you call us sons or daughters of you, God. We just thank you so much that we can come before you as children. That we can come to a perfect and holy Father who is never going to leave us. Who is never going to wrong us. He's always going to protect, you're always going to protect us and care for us and nourish and cherish us. God, thank you so much that you have adopted us, that it can only happen through your son, Jesus Christ, that he willingly died on the cross so that we can be a part of your family, God. But would you compel us to go love our city well by loving the orphans well, God? May we be a people who have faith, but faith that is seen in action. Let us love you well. Let us love our orphans well, God. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.